afternoon and you're so welcome to New Year. It's lovely to see you all. Um, I'm Sarah Alexander, Neil's wife. Um, I'm so delighted to see you all come in to this tent to hear about marriage. Um, marriage is something that sits very heavy on my heart in a good way. Um, not the bad way, but in a good way. It's something that the Lord took burdens in my heart. There's so many marriages today that are broken in a world where so many things are disposable. Marriage is very disposable in our world. And along with it comes the chaos of children as well. So God's heart is for marriage. His building block is marriage and the family unit. That's why he designed this world to be built through society. And so I'm so delighted you've come, you've spent your afternoon coming here, Dana. Dana's amazing. She's married to Andy. And um, we're just so delighted she's going to come and just impart God's wisdom to us here this afternoon. She's just going to come up and I'm just going to pray for Dana. I'm going to hand over to her. And, uh, so Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to come and hear your heart about marriage. Lord, it's your design. Lord, it shows your character to us and we're so delighted, Lord, that you have just given us this gift. So Lord, I just pray that you will speak through Dana this afternoon. Lord, give her, her the words you want her to speak. Lord, we just thank you for her willingness to come and to speak on this situation, Lord, in this um, topic. So Lord, just be with her. Bless her and bless us all as we, as we listen. So thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you. Hello everyone, how are you? It's lovely to see you, it's lovely to be here. Um, my name is Dana, I am married to Andy, who I don't know if many of you have met yet because he hasn't been up on the stage yet. You might see him tonight. Um, and we have three very lively children. Anyone else have lively children in their lives? Yes. Um, and my daughter is 10. And I have twin boys who are eight years old. And if you like to do math, we had three children under the age of two for a while. Um, my daughter was 18 months old when the boys burst on the scene. And so for, I was gonna say for a very long time, we were very overwhelmed. I'm not sure that we're not still a wee bit overwhelmed. <laughs> But um, yeah, we're just gonna spend some time this afternoon and I wanna, I want to inspire you that wherever you are in this journey of family, that um, if you feel overwhelmed, if you often feel out of your depth, if you feel like most of the time you're doing it badly, that's okay, that's actually really normal for what it is that you're attempting, okay? And so, I'm just going to be honest with you about my journey. And because my children are still relatively young, I am going to be super open with you. Um, if you know me, I'm a little bit, I fancy myself a little bit of an Oprah. I love interviewing people for personal reasons and for personal gain. So, if I see you with children, particularly if your children are older than mine, um, and it looks like they're sane and they're doing relatively okay, I will stop you. And I have a list of questions because I am 
desperately trying to gather whatever information I can to do a better job with this thing called family. And so part of what I'm gonna be doing today is sharing with you some of the wisdom that has been shared with me that I am implementing in my own family. I wanna read you a quote um, very quickly. And it's a quote from a lady named Mirabai Starr, and she wrote a book called Wild Mercy. And I've not read the book, so I can't uh, commend it to you, but I came across this quote once, and it hit me so um, deeply, and it stayed with me, and it stayed with me for years, it resonated with me, and I wanna read it for you today. She says, to be someone's parent is to die again and again. Die to who you thought you were and who you hoped you would become. Die to your cherished notions of what a child like yours should look like, sound like, behave like. Die to your illusions of control, control of your own emotions, control of your child's experiences. And in proportion to your deaths, you will be blessed with endless resurrections. You will rise radiant from the flames of what you thought was the end of the world, and your child will rise luminous from the ashes of your heirs. Isn't that beautiful? For some people, that's a depressing quote. For me, that is hope. Because for years, I don't know if you've ever felt this way, I sort of felt this almost anger at how hard I was finding parenting. How tired I was. How nothing ever seemed to work. No program worked for my kids. And it took me a long time to realize that it felt hard because it's actually really hard. Do you know what I mean? Like no one's looking at the bodybuilders and the lifters who, got, who are like lifting trucks, you know? You know, the, the strongest man thing? And being like, ah, oh, they're failing. Look how hard that looks. Look how much they're grunting. Do you know what I mean? And, but we would go into parenting, which is my equivalent of lifting a truck, and expect to do it with no sweat if you're me, no exercise or previous training, and to do it and make it look easy. But it's, it's hard, it feels hard because it's hard. And that was really good news for me. So the first thing I want to share with you to sort of set the mood in the tent today, I'm not an expert on family or family discipleship. I am a fellow parent in the trenches figuring it out, doing uh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Some things work, some things are absolutely not working and won't be tried again. But one of the things that I feel like, even in the past couple of years, that has made a massive difference to even my perspective on what I'm doing, is to remember that like the rest of life with Christ, Parenting is an invitation to come and die, right? Now, I hope that that's not a letdown and no one feels like, crap, I was looking for a little bit of hope here in this seminar. It's an invitation to take up your cross 
and to follow Jesus. And do you know what I wish someone would have told me when I had someone that small? I lost someone that small in my house. I was a believer. I was married to a church planter, a church leader. I was touring as a musician. Everything felt really hard. And on top of the feeling of constantly being a little bit behind or overwhelmed with parenting, I felt like a failure as a believer because I was not serving people. For a period of time, I literally had nothing else to give. I just felt like I had nothing. So every time there was a please come do something at church, I was like, look, I'm here right now. That's all I can do for you. You know? And I wish someone would have told me or reminded me that actually every time I wiped a bottom, that I scraped glue off my walls, and I did that a few times, I'm telling you. Every time I cooked a meal, every time I put a spoon into a child's mouth, every time I did a bedtime routine, I was serving the least of these. I was serving the kingdom of God. I wish I would have known that. Because I, I felt like I, I would have done it then and actually found some joy in it. To know that when Jesus is telling, particularly I want to say this to young parents in the room, when Jesus is saying, take up your cross and follow me, what he's saying is that thing right now that feels too hard and takes everything in you and feels like you have to literally sacrifice your entire thing, that's the thing that you take up and you follow me. And for a lot of people in the room right now, that's just little people in your house. So, good news, isn't it? That's good news. You're doing it. You're doing the work of the kingdom. You're living the gospel. I was really blessed because I'm very nosy. I told you I'm nosy like Oprah. There's no real limit to what I'll ask you if you let me. Um, before my husband and I got married, I interviewed married people. We did, we used to live in LA. We used to take them out to dinner and ask them everything. Um, and so, a couple of things I wanna share with you are the things that I've picked up along the way. I remember talking to one mom who was further on in the journey of motherhood than I was years ago. And she said something to me that uh, I, I sort of wept over for weeks. And uh, the other night I was, in, I was in bed, this is a side story, as my friend says, side salad. I was in the bed uh, with Andrew about to fall asleep and I'd gotten, whatever happened that day had me Googling control issues, okay? That was, I was like, maybe I have control issues, right? And Andrew sort of laughed a little bit. And I remember it took me back to this conversation that I had with this mommy, right? I thought to myself, my kids are young and I can't kind of control their lives, right? And she said to me, Dana, the turning point in my parenting came when the Holy Spirit told me one day, you need to introduce your children to me. You need to introduce your children to the Holy Spirit. Because when you no longer can be with them, when you can't orchestrate or protect or influence, 
When they're out in the world free to make all their own decisions, you can't go, but I can. So what I would say to you today is that in the world of parenting, I hope it doesn't sound too churchy, but the Holy Spirit is your greatest ally. I am learning that. I'm figuring out what that means in my life. But the Holy Spirit is your greatest ally. There are days when I don't know what my kids need. I have a 10-year-old daughter who is incredible. I do believe that she could potentially be the dictator of a large country one day. She certainly is trying it in our family. The fearlessness, oh. But there are days where I don't know what she needs. Some days I need space from her, she needs just as much space from me. We don't seem to be friends. And genuinely, the only card I have left to play as a parent is to ask the Holy Spirit for guidance, to ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom, to ask the Holy Spirit for words of knowledge for my children. It sounds cliche, it sounds really churchy, but if we're not doing that, we are not living in our full capacity as parents, as Christ followers. Do you know what I mean? Now, I don't know when the fall lifts for everyone. I think it's at different times. Some people I've noticed as parents, they're like in their stride with babies. Do you know what I mean? I have those friends who are like at their best with the babies. And they keep having them because they enjoy it so much. They have lots and lots of babies. And then I have those friends who are like the best playmates for like toddlers to like six or seven year olds. They're like, that is their, their best parenting. That's where they feel they're most alive. It's like, I got this. This is really easy, right? And then you have those people who um, just, their, theirs probably is teenage years, right? I don't know which one mine is because I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> but my my suspicion is that I'm a teenage, early adult when you're a bit more, you know, you can put some sentences together and we can have a chat. You know, you're fun to be with. That sounds really horrible. My kids are fun to be with. <laughs> but you know what I mean. And so I think that there's a rite of passage for all parents at some stage feel completely unable to do what you've set out to do, okay? And can we just sort of define what it is we're setting out to do as followers of Christ who have children in our lives, whether we are carers, grandparents, parents, what we're setting out to do is the Great Commission, isn't it? To make disciples. I don't know why, maybe because I'm not that good of a Christian, but it just dawned on me recently that, that included my children to make disciples. And so if we know what it is we're setting out to do, we can confess that we don't know in and of ourselves how to do it, right? Also that there's no one way to do it, 
There will be as many ways as children you have in your care. So what you do for child A does not work with child B, right? And what you did for child A produced such an angel, such a wonderful human being. And you did the same thing for child B and you've got a little demon on that house. That's just, isn't it? It's just parenthood, isn't it? And so I started to ask the Holy Spirit, how do I do this? How do I make disciples? How do I intentionally lead my children in my home? Talking to other mummies and daddies, I found something to be really interesting. I think that sometimes we conflate, we confuse parenting goals with parenting hopes and vice versa. And I felt during my chats, during my Oprah moments, the Holy Spirit was saying to me, you need to know the difference between what you can control and influence and what is completely outside of your control. And the reality is maybe this is really scary for us Christian parents to think about, but you can't control if your child falls in love with Jesus and decides to follow them him for the rest of their lives. It's not something you can control, right? But you can intentionally create an atmosphere in which it is possible and probable that your child will come in contact with the living God who loves them, regularly, regularly come into contact, consistently come into contact with the living God who loves them through you and how you love them. There's a difference between goals and hopes, and it's really important that we pay attention to them. So really quickly, I would love for you to have a think. If you have paper or a phone, bring it out. Just jot some things down. I want you to think about as a parent or a carer or someone who has um, got children in your life who you have influence over, what are your goals? Andrew and I were talking around January this year and, you know, the whole New Year's resolution and are we going to make them and this, that, and the other. And both of us are at a stage in our lives where um, we were talking a lot about how actual real fruit, real fruit, life fruit, takes a lot longer than a year, right? In order to see real fruit, generational fruit, you have to commit to it for like decades, right? I grew up in the black church, well no, I grew up in a black family in the southern states of America and a lot of my family went to black church. I grew up in the Assemblies of God and there were definitely people singing from chandeliers, that is true. But in the black church, you will often find uh, that preacher who will be telling that testimony where they were off the rails and it's very normal for him to say, but I had a praying grandmother. This is that moment where I want you to think about not the things you want for next week or even next year, but what are your parenting goals? I'll help you out and give you some of my um, suggestions. So I, um, 
Angela and I decided instead of New Year's resolutions that we were going to make 10-year resolutions in all different parts of our lives. And so part of that was family. So by 2032, I want to look up and have grown in these areas. I want to look up and say I did everything I could to do better in these areas. So I realized that I want my children to grow up in a home where they have regular interaction with the Word of God. There's a lot of promises for us in Scripture. One of my favorite promises that God gives us is that His Word does not return void. That it goes out and it accomplishes what He sets out for it to accomplish. I have no magic sauce to raise my children. I'm pretty sure we had a friend that said uh, when her kids got to about, be about 16 in the States, they sat them down, she's four children, they sat each of them down and said, listen, just so you know, we'll pay for either university or therapy, you're gonna need both. I'm at that stage where I'm like, look, I'm gonna help you get, get over some of the things that I've done to you, you know what I mean? I don't have a magic bullet, but the word of God is powerful. It is healing. It is sustaining. It is inspiring. So one of my goals is that I want my children to grow up in a home where they have daily interaction with the Word of God. Right? One of my goals as a parent is that I want to look up in 2032 and say that I did everything I could to consistently and regularly have moments of heart connection with each of my children. To not get bogged down in the day-to-day -day what we have to do as carers. The laundry, the cleaning, the getting everybody to this. To have moments, two minutes, five minutes of heart connection with my children. So I want you just to take a, a, a quick second, I'm just gonna pause here. And maybe you can only think of one thing. You have a long time. You maybe sit with this over the next month or so. And you think to yourself, what are my actual goals here? What am I actually, what am I actually trying to do as a parent? And these are things that you have control over or at least a lot of influence over. We're parents, we can multitask. Now, I want us to talk a little bit about our hopes. The things that we actually don't have any control over, but we want them so deeply. More than anything, I hope that my children fall in love with Jesus. That's what I hope. I hope they meet him. I hope they are overwhelmed by his grace and his mercy. That's what I hope. And guess what? Just because you have no control over it doesn't mean that you can't interact with your hopes. And that's when the intercession comes in. I'll tell you what I was not doing when my children were very young. 
I was not praying for them that often. I was praying that we would all make it through the day. It wasn't like intentional. My mother used to say to me, oh, pray. I was praying for your husband since the day you were born. And she said that to me after we had our first child. And I was like, oh crap, I'm supposed to be doing that too. That kind of, that's the space I was in. But if you could even commit 30 seconds to remind yourself of the things you cannot control, but are the heart of Jesus also, and become that 30-second intercessor for your children. Okay, so now I want to take us back to our goals, all right? When I think of goals, we have our goals, we have the things that we would like to see growth in our family and our children and ourselves with, but how do we accomplish those things? How do we actually do them, okay? When I think about goals, I think about a massive banquet table. I love hospitality, I love feeding people, all right? I'm not necessarily a good cook, I just love feeding it, right? Come to my house, it makes me so happy when you leave and your belly's a bit sore because you ate too much. I love that. I don't know what that says with my theology, but I really do love it. just want to feed you. So it's easy for me to have this picture in my head of my goals, the things I want to offer my children. I like this banqueting table, this feast I lay for my family day after day. All right? My question for you is what are you putting on the table that they can pick up? And here is the key that I found for me. I learned very early on that grandiose, big, simple. Simple. Simplify it and then simplify it again. Okay, because if this is gonna be an everyday thing, it has to be doable, right? So I'll give you a couple of examples. So remember I told you that I wanted my kids to have daily interaction with the scripture, all right? So within Lagan Valley Vineyard, we are about to go into the summer, like everybody else, and we've decided that we want to challenge our children to read the Bible every day this summer. Bite-sized pieces, and when you, travel, when you challenge the children, you challenge the parents, which is great because some of them can't read yet. If it's just one scripture, one verse, we sit down, we read it. And here's what is amazing. Nothing super spiritual has to happen. You don't have to have a church service. No one needs to get slain in the spirit. The children don't need to start speaking in tongues. Everyone doesn't have to even like each other, right? If you take the pressure off, you just want to read the Word of God. We've, I've had a horse. Sometimes I come and I'm like this, guys. Well, we all know what I was doing five minutes ago. I was shouting at you top of my lungs. So, I'm sorry about that. Mommy needs the scripture. Maybe someone else here needs the scripture too. Here we go. Just like that. And that's, that's what I can commit to do. Some days... It's incredible. 
probably about one out of every 10 days, there's a moment where you're like, Jesus questions. Then the other nine days, it's like he looked at me. He looked at me, mom, and you're just like, go to bed, whatever. So I say that because you just need to have realistic expectations when you're laying your table. Because this isn't about change next week. It isn't about discipleship that comes to fruition next year. It isn't about having a 16-year-old who's fully formed in Christ. It's about the long game. This is a long road. This is a long journey. It doesn't end when they turn 18. Other things. The heart connections. Okay, I'm, I'm really not that great at this. I, um... I'm probably more of like left to my own devices. You okay? I'm okay? Okay, let's all do our own thing. But I, I found out this thing with one of my children that if right before they turn their light out to go to bed, if I climbed into bed with them and brought a book, and they had a book, and we started to read our books, about two minutes later, this avalanche of information about their lives just comes out. Things that disappointed them that day, times that they felt afraid, times that they felt on the outside, just comes out. Is it what I want to do at the end of my day? Not really. But this level of heart connection that pays off in every other part of my parenting that when I have to discipline, when I have to enforce boundaries, there's this connection sort of in the bank. And there's this time every day that that kid knows that for those minutes, we know we're good, right? And it helps that it's before bedtime because who likes to go to bed feeling like your parents are going at you? Do you know what I mean? For Andrew, it is on the pitch practicing Gaelic football with our boys, or rugby. And what I want to give to you in this room today, freedom. This is not a one-size-fits-all. Sometimes if you just sort of look around your life and look at, like, when do I feel most connected to this kid? Just do more of that. It might be eating sweets, watching movies on the sofa. It might be going for a walk. It might be do whatever. It could be just something that takes 60 seconds. I've been reading a book um, by a woman named Sally Clarkson. Now, how do I describe this lady? She's American, and she talks just like this. And she is the sweetest. Christian lady you have ever met in your life. And she just wants to encourage you and, and encourage you about family. And while Sally and I have literally nothing in common, I've loved it. Her book is called The Life-Giving Home. She wrote another one called The Life-Giving Table. And it is her journey through parenting and discipleship. And she said something in her book that I sort of have banked for later because I have two boys. 
and um, their spiritual gift is eating. <laughs> and I live in resentment of that, basically. But she said that she used to, her preteen boys and teenage boys used to come home and she'd say, how was school? And they'd go, mm. Did anything happen? Nah. How's your friend so-and-so? Nah. And she said she found a secret. I want to pass this on to you because I, I plan on using it. She said she would do this thing. They'd be up in their rooms. And after school, now this is very Americanized. You make it your own thing. She would put on chocolate chip cookies in the oven. And if you know anything about chocolate chip cookies, half the fun is smelling them, right? And they fill the whole house. And that was like how she drew them to the kitchen. She was like, she was like it's complete manipulation. I know it is. So she drew them to the kitchen. And then she would get a big glass of milk served in the chocolate chip cookies. And she would even maybe go behind one of them and rub his back. And she said she doesn't know what it is but it was like magic, and all of a sudden, there was so much to say. I love that. You gotta find a chocolate chip cookie. I can't tell you what it is. But you get to be creative. Your kid is not her kid. You get to be creative and find the door in to make that heart connection. The other thing that I've committed to and funny that we're talking about laying a table, laying a feast, is actually literally laying a table for my family. So COVID happened, and the Lord had been speaking to me for years about hospitality. And where this conversation started, we used to live in a house in the, in the city center of Lisbon. And I love my wee house. It was a red brick and terrace house. And um, we planted church from that house, and there was always this open door policy. But do you know that thing where I come from a family a bit like perfectionist, and we're a bit performative with our hospitality, okay? I'm just gonna put that out there. We like, like, we like not only to feed you, but the plates to be nice. You know what I mean? And like to sit them, like if I lay out food, there's a certain way I wanna lay it out. Do you know what I mean? It's a little bit performative. So I don't know if any of you can relate, but our house that we loved in Lisburn was a bit small, and it was difficult to do the hospitality in the performative way that I wanted to. And part of our hospitality is that people would come from all, all over the place and need to stay over in our house. And we didn't have a guest room because we were occupying all the rooms, so we had a pull-out sofa in our front room that also doubled as the kids' playroom and their TV room. So sometimes guests would wake up to like a toddler in their face looking to watch TV, right? And I remember feeling so like, I was in angst about this because I just love, I wanted, I wanted a guest suite. You know, like, like that's how I wanted to do hospitality. And so I remember then years ago, the Lord saying to me, because I thought to myself, we wanted to do the roof space. We wanted to make the roof space a guest room, right? So I thought to myself, Lord, when I get that roof space done, I am going to kill this hospitality thing. You don't even know. And I remember Jesus said to me, if you don't do it now, you won't do it then. I was like, no, no, no I got plans. Like, I'm going to do it. And he was like, I promise you, if you don't do it now, 
you won't do it then. And I'm gonna dip into another side salad because the reality is hospitality isn't having friends over. That's fellowship. Hospitality is when you open your home and it costs you something. It's sacrifice. And it costs me something. Because when we had guests, I had nowhere to put my kids in front of a television. When we had guests, the, the house was very cramped, very tight. Right? So then fast forward, COVID happens. We built a new house. And, and I was so excited. I was like, oh, hospitality train is in full effect. For the first time in my adult life, it wasn't going to feel uncomfortable. Because we had space. We, we made sure we had a guest room. Right? Then COVID happened, there was nobody to have over. And I thought, well, I guess I'll have, to, I'll have to wait. And the Holy Spirit said to me, I'll never forget it. He said, why? Host your family. Because if you would do it for them, why would you not do it for them? And so every Sunday in all the various lockdowns and forms of restrictions, I would, so I actually start on Saturday, I would make my famous, the only famous in my house, roast chicken. I had to start Saturday because if you don't know, you need to give chicken a salt bath overnight, so it's really nice and moist, but that's just a tip for, you know, whatever, it has nothing to do with him. Anyway, so I, I, would, I would lovingly bathe my chicken and stick it in the refrigerator overnight, and then the next morning I would wake up on Sunday morning, I would chop all of my vegetables. It was a lot of work. And then I would get all the best plates and serving dishes out. You know the ones you only use when you're having outside guests, right? And then I got the linen napkins out. For my dirty boys who don't care about anything, I gave them linen napkins and glass cups. Do you know what it takes to give an eight-year-old a glass cup? It's gonna get broken. And I just did that repeatedly. Hosting your family, laying a table. Something happens, I don't know about you, when someone feeds me, when my belly is full and I feel safe and there's good conversation, I am open to whoever is at that table. I don't know what the best discipleship book is for your kids. I don't know the best program. But I do know that these little things, intentionally being present in your life, repeatedly and consistently giving them a place to come, giving them the word of God, <coughs> giving them your own honesty and humility. The amount of times I have to apologize to my children, the amount of times we started a practice where sometimes, if it, does anyone have anything you want to confess? I want to confess that I was really shouty and judgmental today. And 
in those little moments where he's like, I want to confess that I hit my brother and I shouldn't have. It's not rocket science. They're not perfect. But this is the long game. This is the long game. So I, I want to be careful to get a little bit of time here to pray for us. I was praying for you this week. I've been praying for you for a while. And when Andrew said to me, would you like to do a seminar on family and discipleship? I, yes. I was so excited because I'm, it's live for me. I'm in it. I have not accomplished anything yet. I am in it. The Holy Spirit has sparked the fire in me to say this matters. This matters. Here's the good news. It's not going to sound like good news, but it, it is good news. Um, it's going to feel a lot like failure. Right? Some of that is because you have unrealistic expectations. Okay? It's like that, um, anyone see that advert, like, what you thought sleeping with your child was going to be like, and it says mommy and baby, and they're like, they're like angels, and they're sleeping and cuddling, and then it switches to what actually sleeping like a child is like, it's like a foot in your face. That That's kind of like what this thing is, like what you thought discipling your children were going to look like, and it was like all these, oh, father, or so, that, you know, sorry, mother, we can't believe we ever raised our voices. That's what you thought it was going to be like. And what it is, is like absolute carnage, but maybe people who apologize quickly. Do you know what I mean? I was praying for you, and I felt like one of the things that Lord wants to release in this room today, to, to sort of give in this room today, is a sense of um, you've been tethered by expectations, your own and others. You've been weighed down by the feeling of failure. And because of that, you've been angry and disappointed. I want to say to you that is normal and it is also not necessary. Because there's freedom. Because nobody is doing it perfectly. Because you will have to apologize to your children when they are adults about a few things. And because that's one of the most powerful things you can ever do to your kids and for your kids, there's one of my babies there. So I want to take some time, I want to pray over you. And just even for yourself, if we could all sort of bow our heads and, and close our eyes just to have a little bit of a private moment. If you have babies, maybe don't close your eyes because... And if you would say that you just need to acknowledge that you want more of the Holy Spirit, that you want to release that sense of heaviness and expectations that you're constantly not meeting, if you're longing to lean into the work of discipleship and experience the joy of the Holy Spirit. Would you just slip your hand up in the air very quickly for me? 
I'm not going to ask you to do anything. It's just really more for you to save for the Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Father, we confess that this is really, really hard. We love it. We wouldn't change it. We can't imagine our lives without these, these little people, without this role of parent, mother, father, grandparent. But it is really hard. Jesus, would you come? Would you come? Would you remind us that by serving these little people and feeling how difficult this is and dying to ourselves daily, multiple times a day, that we are, in fact, doing the gospel. That we are making disciples. I pray for a spirit of creativity over this room today. There's no one way to do this. The Lord is going to release to some of you. Even now, you're starting to have ideas. Just starting to have these moments. They're not, they're not big ideas. You're realizing that when you go on that walk with that child, for some reason you guys feel so in sync during that walk in the park. Some of you are realizing that when you stop and you play that card game for five minutes, that kid's love tank is so full afterwards. So I just release creativity and clarity right now in the name of Jesus. Ideas, the Holy Spirit's calling to your mind, memories of times. And then I want to recommission you. I want to recommission you, you disciples of Jesus. You imperfect people who have given your lives over to a very good and perfect God. Who are doing some of the most sacred work in the kingdom with the least of these, with the little ones. I want to recommission you to go and make disciples. Go and make disciples in the name of Jesus. Amen. You guys, I want to thank you so much for coming and um, hanging out and laughing at my bad American jokes. And I want to encourage you to become curious, i.e. nosy, with other parents around you. Have those honest conversations. Ask the questions. What do you do when? What do you find helpful when? I always say to young families, find someone who's at the same place as you. Then find someone who's a couple years ahead of you. Then find someone who's about 15 years in front of you. And then finally, find someone who's not yet where you are.
And reminded that they can do it, that it's okay, the sleepless nights don't last forever. All the stuff you needed to hear, okay? All right. Be blessed, you guys.